Hi everyone, welcome back to Female Founder World. We are known as the place to meet your business besties online and IRL and best known for our in-person events, but also our community, which we host on Geneva.com. Today I have Sif Hader. She's an influencer, a podcast host, and the co-founder of Array, which is a natural supplement brand that is probably best known for this anti anti-bloating, de-bloating product that literally everyone <laughs> recommends. Apparently it's amazing. I haven't tried it, but I have heard really, really good things. So she's actually building, this is quite interesting. She's building Array with her life partner, who's also her business partner. And the two of them used the money that they had set aside for a wedding to start the business. And within a year, they did over a million in revenue and they hit profitability in six months. And we we talk a lot about how the hell she did that. Super, super impressive, especially when you're, you know, self-funded in those early days, hitting a million in revenue in year one is pretty wild. I think it speaks to the quality of the product, but also just her approach to influencer marketing. And we get into the nitty gritty of her influencer marketing strategy in this episode and also her approach to partnerships. Sif is super tactical. She is really transparent, happy to get specific, which we love, and just shares all of that stuff that is really impossible to Google when you're trying to get traction in a new business. Okay, over to Sif. You are now entering Female Founder World with your host, Jasmine Grindsworthy. Sif, welcome to Female Founder World. It's so great to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Okay, so we're going to get into your backstory, all of that in a minute. But um, for folks who don't know Array, like introduce us to what you're building. So Array is a wellness brand. We create 100% natural targeted supplements formulated by a naturopathic doctor, which work in under an hour. And it's really beautifully packaged. So people are excited to incorporate it into their routine. I feel like you're best known as well for like a bloat product. That's the one that I always get recommended that I see people talking about on Instagram and TikTok. What's, what makes that product so special? Honestly, I think, first of all, it is like of the highest efficacy. We use six very potent herbs to gently optimize your digestion. There's no laxatives in there, so no one's going to be running to the bathroom when they don't Mm -hmm. want to go. But rather, it's like a gentle kind of um, optimizer of your digestion. And so our whole thing was that we really wanted to give people food freedom, whether you're eating, you know, a cruciferous vegetable bowl or you're out for pasta with your girlfriends, just having the ability to enjoy the food that you're having and feel really comfortable as well. So that was the whole ethos behind bloat. And, you know, I I just think that there was a lot of, there has been like a lot of conversation about bloating. And I think that, you know, we've been there at the right time as well. Yeah, absolutely. And for folks who also don't know your background, you're a podcast host, you're a blogger, talk us through kind of what your story was and how you came to found your own business. So it wasn't a linear journey. Um, Mm -hmm. I never is didn't go to school for, yeah, it never is. So it's just really funny when, you know, people look at social media, they'll see like a snapshot of what's going on and they'll be like, Oh, like, you know, they made it and it's overnight and it's really not. So this has been Mm -hmm. like, you know, years and years in the making hindsight is always 2020, but I never went to school for anything that I'm doing today. Um, I did my undergrad in something completely unrelated and I've always just been a very creative person. So after graduating, I first started working in PR. Um, then I went and did a postgrad in communications. Basically, I went to Conde Nast College in London. And so kind of I learned the ins and outs of 
communication, journalism, all of that. Yep. And while I was there, I started a blog because I wanted magazines to know that I had something to offer, that I had ideas and that I, you know, I was a self-starter. I also really wanted a creative outlet. So that's when I started my blog, ended up landing a job at Elle. And from there, you know, my blog grew as I was at my job and eventually I ended up leaving my job to pursue my blog full time, which then led to me starting a podcast a little while down the road. And then eventually all roads led to a race. So, you know, I've kind of lived a lot of different lives, but I, I would say that everything's kind of trained me and it was all preparation for where I am today. Talk me through what the process was like for, you know, once you had the idea that you were going to launch this wellness product, I know that you're working on this with your partner, like your life partner, not just your business partner. Mm -hmm. What was the process when you guys decided, okay, there's, there's an opportunity here. We want to create something. What was that first kind of next step that you took? It was really finding the first thing that would move the needle the most, which for us was a doctor. And so this is kind of yeah. a tip that I like to give to any new entrepreneurs that when you have a business idea, it can feel really, really overwhelming. But ask yourself what the like the next thing you have to do, just one, if you could just pinpoint one thing that would move the needle the most, do that. And so for us, before finding our manufacturer, before finding the name for our brand or the branding, it was finding a doctor. Because again, like that kind of points to the ethos behind our brand, which is efficacy at the top of the list, right? Like branding and all of that is important, but first and foremost, it's an awesome product. And so for me, it was speaking to a lot of different naturopathic doctors, really like trying to find someone who we trusted, who was at the top of their game. And that's what we did. So that was number one. Awesome. And then, you know, as someone who I've worked in the beauty and wellness space, I was also an editor, like had a similar background to you. And I've seen a lot of products like come and go in this space, particularly in like the supplement space, but I feel like Array just cut through really quickly. And I think it was because definitely like that, that deep loading product, people were just saying that it worked really well. So they were recommending it, mm -hmm. but also you were just kind of like all of a sudden in all of the press and in all of the, like my Instagram feed. And I'm so curious about what that launch strategy looked like. And like, what was, why was I seeing you everywhere? Honestly, Jasmine, um, it's so interesting because from the outside in, it looks that way. But from my side, it, it's <laughs> not like that at all. You know, my perception of kind of how the brand has grown is like really different to someone else's. And you're not the first person to say that to me, but I'm like, really? Like, is that how you feel? So it's funny for us. Um, our launch strategy was really like, we, we had no money. Our brand was fully bootstrapped. Nish and I put our wedding money into the business instead of having a wedding. Oh, and wow. so, you know, we didn't have big marketing dollars. COVID had happened. And so it was really just us being scrappy. Coming from an influencer background, what I relied heavily on was the fact that I decided to gift a lot of influencers. So, you know, um, whether it was wellness practitioners like naturopathic doctors and nutritionists, people in the wellness space, and people who I felt like, you know, our product would really improve their lives, I reached out to all of them. And I wrote really compelling emails about, you know, why I thought that the product would make a difference in their life and how I expected literally nothing in return and the fact that we were broke. 
like we had no money, yeah. but hoping that they would just give us a try and that down the line, if our brand was successful, you know, we would potentially partner in the future because, and that was like the most honest way of me coming at these conversations. And, um, I gifted to a lot of people and that's kind of how we got our start. You know, people started posting about the brand because they, they liked the brand. And then that kind of created a flywheel effect in the, like in tandem with that, we worked really heavily on community building as well. So there was a lot of word of mouth, um, kind of, I guess, talk and chatter about the brand as well. Nish and I really wanted to humanize the brand and let our community know who was behind it, that it wasn't just some brand, that there were like two people literally out of their apartment working their asses off on this product and that we truly hoped with every ounce of our being that it would help them. And we really believed that it would. So, you know, we really treated our community like influencers when we started the, and actually even up until now, our influencer box and customer box is the exact same because that's like how much we stand by our packaging experience. And so I think those two things are probably the reason you started seeing us everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really smart. I, I do think a lot of brands can overlook the fact that they're, especially now, like, you know, all of your customers are potentially also influencers that are going that are going to spread the word about the brand and, and give the most like authentic testimonials and spread that kind of word of mouth marketing and awareness. And I think that's really powerful to kind of like consider, you know, put them in the same box as influencers. I think a lot of people, for example, like when they're thinking of event strategy, they're doing lots of events for influencers and press, but they're kind of forgetting about those actual community building events and moments for their customers, which I think are super yeah. important. So the thing is that I think with the age of TikTok and just a different kind of social media, you know, for a long time, it was very curated. It was almost like social media had become the gate kept thing that like press once was, you know, yes, so we yes, went yes, through yes. that time where like, it was this like very closed, you had to create everything that was very curated and you know, it, it was just like very specific. Then came TikTok and this like democratization because people were really craving raw and authentic and not so overproduced. And so literally anyone and everyone became an influencer. So I'll give you guys an example of something that happened to us, like just maybe three weeks ago, this video of this normal girl, like normal girl, who's a flight attendant went completely viral, like four different people sent it to us. And she was talking about her de-bloating tips as a flight attendant. Mm. And she was, you know, had like maybe 300 followers. This video went viral and then she gained like thousands of followers. And, you know, there's like so many stories like this, but the whole thing is that nowadays, if you don't put your customer at that, at the forefront of your brand, I don't think that people have the patience for you just funneling all your dollars into influencers and forgetting about them, if that makes sense. So for yep. us, like community was a big piece of it. The same way that we do influencer events, we have events for our community. We funnel just as many marketing dollars into making like really nice special events for our community as we do with our influencers as well. Really smart. I love that approach. And I want to get into the a bit more of the nitty gritty of your influencer strategy, because it's one of the things that I think that you've done really well and that I wanted to kind of like talk to you about. So in addition to, you know, making sure that your customers have the same experiences that an influencer would have, when you kind of launched, what was your, 
I know you didn't have any budget, but like how many influencers were you gifting or what were you, what, like what platforms were you using versus what does that kind of look like now as part of your like always on influencer marketing campaign? Honestly, there was like, it was just me doing everything. There was no platform being used. It was literally an Excel sheet. And this is what I want to remind people that when you're starting, you just figure it out. You know, it's not the most organized. You're just kind of doing it and you're getting by and you're doing the best that you can. (laughs) And that was what I was doing. And so I think I still have this like old Excel file somewhere, but I think like when we launched, it wasn't like I sent it to a bunch of people in order to launch. It was kind of like a rolling effect. So it was like, I sent it like for pre, we, we actually pre-launched as well because I had a community and I wanted to utilize that community. So, you know, even before we launched, we sent it to a bunch of people to test the product. Um, a number of my friends were influencers. So even before launch, I sent it to them they started talking about it with their communities. And then it was just kind of like an ongoing effort. We didn't have this big launch that a lot of brands have. It was just us like slowly rolling it out to as many people as possible. So, you know, back then when we launched, it was literally just me sending it to as many people as I could. Now it's like a little bit more organized, obviously, because I have a whole team now. And so our goal with gifting is like, we try to hit like a certain number a month in um, a combination of new, like net new gifts with re-engaging people who we've already gifted to, whether those are like macro influencers or nano influencers, or even sometimes like influential customers within our community as well. Mm -hmm. So like just people who are like constantly talking about us. And so, yeah, that's kind of the strategy we've had. And it's, it's evolved in the sense that it's become just like a little bit more organized, but gifting was a big part of our strategy when we started and it continues to be a big part of our strategy as well. Hey, it's Jasmine and I'm jumping in here to let you know about a very, very special short time only, all of the salesy words, community offering that we have available for Female Founder World. It is our business bestie subscriber membership. And for $9 a month, this is basically how you up level in the female founder world community. We constantly hear from founders on the show that building a network and building a community is the most powerful thing that you can do while you're on this kind of like offbeat entrepreneurial path. And our business bestie subscriber membership is the best way to do that. So it's $9 a month. You can cancel anytime. And we are only taking on new subscribers through to the end of the year. So this is a really limited time. Next year, we may relaunch and offer a similar kind of thing. The price will probably be different. But if you lock in now, you'll be locked in for that $9 a month membership. And basically, it'll give you, first of all, first dibs on all of our free events. So right now, if you try to get to an event in New York, you're probably going to be on a wait list with a few hundred other people. This will bump you right to the front and give you 48 hours of access to register for an event before anybody else hears about it. You'll also get access to a minimum of one live Female Founder World AMA every month. So these Ask Me Anything sessions are basically just like scaled mentorship. They're live calls with different founders and entrepreneurs who are the kind of people that you listen to on the show. They've got a really, really interesting story. They've built something super meaningful and they can answer those questions that you just can't Google. So you'll get access to those live calls every single month. You'll also get a workshop every month, which will be led by either a founder, a subject matter expert that we've handpicked, 
or someone on the Female Founder World team. And these are super tactical online sessions that basically teach a skill or a strategy that is really, really useful in business right now. We'll also give you access to our workshop recording library with all of the past sessions. And you'll get access to Female Founder World's digital goods library, which is where we keep templates and tools and resources. And and yes, sometimes that's us creating those for you or, for example, working with finance or accounting expert to put together a spreadsheet that you might need. But most of the time, these are tools and templates and decks that have been used by actual founders in their businesses successfully. So it might be the exact pitch deck that a founder used to raise millions of dollars, or it could be the cold email and partnership proposal that somebody put forward that landed them a huge brand collaboration. These are absolutely just hidden gems. They're so, so useful. It's something that's really hard to get access to normally, and you're guaranteed at least one new template or download every single month while you are a Business Bestie subscriber. The link is in the show notes. And I am so looking forward to seeing you and all of our Business Besties in this new program. What does that split look like between what the the kind of new influencers that you're bringing in each month or quarter or whatever versus the, the people that you've kind of gotten your repertoire ongoing? This has shifted over time for sure. So obviously early days of the brand, it's like a lot of net new. And then people who would want a restock or they'd be posting about us on social, we'd always ask them if they wanted a restock. It's changed and evolved a little bit now where I would say maybe, uh, I want to say 60% of new, like uh, gifting is like net new. Mm -hmm. And then 40% is either like basically people we've gifted to in the past, like re-engaging them. And then do you do like paid partnerships as well or do you like only work on gifting? And what works in terms of paid partnerships at the moment? It's very rare. Um, So we have about six paid partners that we work with across the whole year. So we do long-term partnerships, which is something we've always done. And we evaluate whether someone is a right partner based on kind of the history that they have with the brand. So one thing that's really been important to us from day one is to ensure that whoever we partner with is genuinely like, really like uses the product and loves the product. And you don't get that one with like a one-off that like, oh, I'm going to pay you for this one post. If people see right through that, and frankly speaking, like that's just not what we believe in. Mm -hmm. So the five or six year long partners that we have, these are like, you know, I remember when we did our first paid partnership, it was with an influencer who was the first person ever to talk about us and, you know, really got us on the map. Like I wanted to pay her. I like begged for her to take my money because (laughs) I was essentially funneling in whatever she had made us into a partnership with her. And so that's kind of how we've approached it always that like, we want to make sure that whoever we do paid partnerships with are fans of the brand. So in terms of, you know, what works that really works, you know, people see right through, you know, bullshit partnerships. Sorry. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear, but like, just like, go for it. Yeah. So people can see right through that. And so I don't ever recommend that brands do one and done partnerships. Yeah. Do like, you know, maybe it's a three month, like whatever is within your budget. I think that that's really, really important. And then on top of that, for us, when it comes to paid partnerships, we don't have any pre-approval requirements or anything like that, which I think is really important because 
somewhere along the way, brands lost the plot and decided that creators were billboards, which to me is like the most annoying and ridiculous thing I've ever heard. As a creator myself, I was like, this has got to stop because Mm -hmm. the more brands wanted to police my content, the less I was delivering something that was authentic to me. Because if they're going to write out a script for me, that's not what I sound like. And that's not what I would call out for my you know, like community to begin with. And so I wanted to change that as a brand founder myself. And I think that that's also something that's really worked for us because people can talk about our product in whatever way that they feel is authentic to them. And they don't have to call out like the 12 different benefits, like talk about the product as you please, like, because you would anyway, you know? And so that's kind of how we've approached influencer marketing. It's kind of an extension of things that we do already versus like, I don't know how to explain it, but like, these are people we'd gift to anyway. They talk about our brand anyway. They have talked about our brand anyway. And we kind of layer on a partnership with like a few like select people who've just kind of been really integral to our growth and development on top of that. Yeah. I love what you're saying there about like trusting the content creator or the influencer to kind of speak to the brand, speak to your brand in the way mm. that feels authentic. Cause I feel like, you know, I'm also a creator as well. And I feel like there is such a, there's a fine line between a brand being really helpful and sharing information so that you have like context Absolutely. and background and you can be informed versus like sending you a script and like points that you need to hit and people just swipe on through. Like we're not doing that anymore. Like people, like it's already super obvious when things are like sponsored or branded and for, it just doesn't resonate. Yeah. It's just, we're over that. This is like, we're, we're approaching 2023. Like yeah. let's just not do that anymore. A hundred percent. I want to kind of give people a bit of a picture about where you are in the business now, maybe some milestones that can just like help folks understand like where Array is at. So in our first year of business, we did a little bit over a million dollars in revenue. Um, We were profitable within our six months, first six months of business. Currently we are, yeah, so we're currently an eight figure brand. And this (laughs) is like, we're about to do our third year in business. Amazing. Oh my God. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Okay. So much traction there. It can't all just be influencers. What else is working? Community, honestly, Jasmine, like I wish that there was like some other magic thing that I could give people, but it really is community and it takes time because you don't become an eight figure brand from like in, in, I guess like the first six months of business anymore, because the days of Facebook marketing, the way that it used to be is all gone. And so right now the way you grow a brand and like actually have like good traction is you shouldn't be buying artificial growth. You know, your unit, your unit economics need to make sense and you need to nurture the community that you have. And so for us, we spend a lot of time and a lot of effort into that. You know, we have tactical things like we have an ambassador program for our like customers basically. And so ambassadors are like very loyal, engaged customers. They can apply to be an ambassador. They provide us with UGC, which we then use in ads and organic social content. You know, these are like really the people who are constantly talking about our brand. So um, just like community efforts are really strong when it comes to the brand, I would say. And then like, you know, uh, doing partnerships with like-minded brands like helps us get to an audience which is like-minded. So for example, things like during our birthday week, we did a gift with purchase with like five other brands that were really like 
a good fit for us. And we look at those customers and they're like the stickiest that we have because those are customers from brands who like, there's like such good synergy between, you know, like if someone uses a specific clean beauty brand, for example, they'll probably use Array as well. So we're just like very intentional about who we partner with and who we align ourselves with as well. When you're doing the ambassador program, do you like, what is, what are the, what's the nitty gritty? What's the nuts and bolts behind something like how something like that works? So once someone buys from you, do they get an automated email that comes through that invites them to be part of it? Like, how does that work? No, no, not at all. So when we launched our ambassador program, the email only went out to our VIP customers, which like we tag a certain way. So it's like not one purchase. It's like many purchases. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, so that's kind of like who the email went out to. And even now it's like when we send another, like another set of emails out to people, it's like typically like really like our top tier customers same thing on social media as well. It's like close friends list. And these are typically like our most engaged customers and community members. And then people apply to be a part of the ambassador program. This is not just like a, you know, open for all type of thing because they like our ambassadors are basically like they are an extension of the array team in the sense that, you know, they are the ones who are invited to our events. They get first dibs on sales. They are the first to know about a new product launch. They are part of our focus groups when we are formulating new products. So these are like real like insiders. So they have to apply to be a part of the ambassador program. And there are certain requirements in terms of like, you know, obviously they have to be a customer with, without a doubt. Um, if they've posted about us, like, have they posted about us on social? Have they interacted with us? Um, do they follow us? All of these different things. And we have like a small group of ambassadors who, you know, are real like fans. And these are people who are constantly talking about our product and um, who just feel like an extension of us. I, yeah, I, I find that really interesting. And I'm, I'm super curious about like what the platforms are that you're using to do that. Like this sounds more sophisticated than just, you know, whipping something up in a, in a spreadsheet. Yeah. What are you so using to do that? We use Grin for this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Grin is great. Um, we use it for now keeping track of influencer gifting, all of that, like keeping track of any brand mentions. And then, um, our ambassador program, like the, the hosting of it is on Grin as well. Awesome. And you mentioned gift with purchase partnerships before. This is something that I feel like lots of brands, I don't know if it's because like Facebook or meta ads are just becoming wildly expensive. And so people are just trying Mm -hmm. to do like everything else they can when it comes to like customer acquisition and top of funnel stuff. Are you, are you still doing those gift with purchase campaigns as like an ongoing thing? Was it kind of like a one-time thing that you tested? Does it it work? Like, yeah, it definitely works. So as I mentioned, like the, the customers that we have from gift with purchase, like initiatives have been our stickiest Mm -hmm. because we are so particular about which brands we align with. So yes, it, in short, it definitely does work, but you have to make sure you pick the right brands to partner with on something like this. It's not an ongoing thing. We do it here and there. We did our first one on our birthday, which was, I want to say it was this year, although like I keep getting the years confused, but yeah, we did it for the first time for our birthday and it did really, really well. And then we did another one just to celebrate the launch of like our newest product, which was sleep, which also did really well. So we don't do it too often at all. 
And we're really selective about like, you know, the, the partners that we take on if we're hosting it. And if we're asked to participate the same thing, it has to be like, it just has to be right because we're donating product for something like that. And we want to make sure that it's the right people who are getting that product, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Is it, are you looking at just making sure like the brand aligns in terms of their products, their vision, their aesthetics, all of that kind of stuff? And then are you gifting full-size product or are you using samples? We have, it depends actually, like Mm -hmm. it depends on um, the brand specifically. So Sometimes we've done full size. Other times we've done the petite version of our product, which is like a half count, like like 30 to 45 capsules versus 60. So it really does depend on the brand partner and like what, like if, if we're the ones who are donating to them, basically like what they're like, what they want from us. Yeah. Um, same way that like when we're hosting a gift with purchase, um, sometimes brands have done full size uh, products. Others have done like half size. It just, at the end of the day, what it depends on is what determines the success of a partnership like this is the brand alignment. So when you really think of the customer, right? Like say, for example, I don't, I don't know, like what's a great, well, say beauty is a great example. Okay. I know that the say customer is perfect for array and vice versa. And so when we've done a gift with purchase with say, it's just done extremely well because it's, I mean, it's like a no brainer, you know, um, our audiences are very similar. They kind of value the same things. And so that's spillover. It's, it's quite obvious that it'll continue. I'm getting like, so into the nuts and bolts and logistics here, but I'm curious about like how it actually, how it works. Are you, do you have like a gift, like something in, in on Shopify at checkout that shows like that they're getting a gift with purchase? Are you just promoting it on social? Does it appear as like a bundle on the website? And then are you sharing like customer information with your partner? Like, do you get the email addresses of everyone that's been sampled or anything like that? No, no. So that's like data, um, data privacy. So we don't get um, mm-hmm. the customer data or anything like that. Um, in terms of kind of how it works. Yeah. So we, like when someone is checking out, then they, if they've like crossed this, the threshold, then they can choose to add it. Like it pops up and it's like, you have the option to not get it because, you know, we don't want to give it to someone who doesn't want it, but for yeah. the most part, everyone wants it. Totally. And so it's however many units are left, people get the product and it's sent to them. Um, prior to this going live on the website, the brand sends everything to our warehouse so that it goes out in a nice package with whatever product someone ordered from our website. Okay. Interesting. Are you, you mentioned before that you, you know, you used your wedding fund to, to get the business off the ground, which I think is amazing. And then that you're profitable within, within six months, which again, super impressive. Have you been self-funded the whole time or how have you been funding the growth since then? We were self-funded for quite a long time. We raised our first round midway through last year. We did mm-hmm. like a small seed round and it was just essentially with like individuals who we felt really offered something special and really gave her, gave us an upper hand in terms of the value that they were providing to the company through either their knowledge or um, just like things that we would need to fill the gaps in yep. for. So yeah, we, we raised a small round last year. Interesting. Okay, cool. And then the last question that I just ask everyone who comes on the show is for a resource. So that could be a book, a podcast, something that you do as a habit every day that's just been helping you as you've been up-leveling as a leader and building the business that you think other people should check out. There are so many resources that I can Give me all of them. Um, 
listeners. So I'm a big reader personally, and so much of what I've learned has been through reading. Um, if anyone is looking to start a brand, I recommend reading the book Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller and Blitzscaling by Reed Hoffman. Both of those books are things that I like go back to over and over and over again because it just teaches me so much. I also recommend Atomic Habits because it really helps you figure out how to habit stack and be like the most, I guess, efficient version of yourself. So, you know, I have certain habits. I time block really efficiently, which I think has worked to my advantage as well. And in terms of like daily habits, I'm just very acutely aware of when I function the most efficiently and when I don't. And I've kind of filled my calendar up accordingly. So just as, as an example for someone like myself, my best morning, sorry, my, my best hours of work are in the morning. And so I don't like to take any meetings in the morning. So typically when it comes to scheduling meetings, I will only take them 12 p.m. onwards because I don't want to waste those like few precious hours that I have in the morning to bang out the most work with meetings, which I can take when I'm not at my sharpest, you know? So um, that's kind of like how I like to think of things. And I encourage your listeners as well to kind of figure out what, when their peak time is as well. That's great advice. I am someone who's always aspired to be a morning person. I feel like everyone that's like super successful that I talk to on the show is, you know, they get up at like five and start their day then. And I'm just not, (laughs) I'm just not there. But you know, that's, that's okay. And like, I yeah. think that that's an absolute myth, by the way, like, it's just not true. You should actually do your sleep chronotype. It's a quiz that I actually mentioned on the last interview that I was on as well. But it's really interesting. It'll tell you kind of the, the type of person you are in terms of like how your chronobiology goes in terms of like when you're supposed to wake up and when you Ooh. function best at night, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really interesting because not everyone was built to wake up at five in the morning. It's a very small subset of the population. They're called the lions. I'm one of them as well, but it's not a big amount of the population. And if you don't fall into that, that's totally fine. Yeah. I do think that there's like this, there's definitely a thing around, you know, being a morning person and morning routines. And I feel like, you know, everyone else who doesn't fall into that bucket is just like constantly punishing ourselves for not being a morning person. (laughs) I'm going to do that quiz. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I feel like all your listeners should do it too. Good one. Okay. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for that as well, guys, if you're listening, but thank you so much for coming on the show, on the show, Sif. And thank you for being such an open book as well. Like, you know, not everyone is comfortable getting into the nitty gritty and sharing all of the details about what's working, what's not working. So I really appreciate when someone comes on and they're just transparent like you've been. Of course, it's been a pleasure. And I hope people take nuggets away from this. Amazing. Thanks for tuning into that episode of the Female Founder World Podcast. Please share it. If you enjoyed the show, take a screenshot, throw it up on your Instagram stories and tag at Female Founder World or at Jasmine Garnsworthy. You'll make my day. I will repost it. I will say thank you. And I will also send you a copy of our PR hit list database. So this has basically all the editors and writers and freelance journalists that you should be reaching out to if you're building a consumer brand or if you're a female founder. If you tag me in your post, I will send you a link to download that database straight away as a little thank you. Okay, chat to you in the next show. Bye.